And then one day I just started mixing stuff in my kitchen, used it on myself. And within a few weeks, my audience started noticing like, oh, Daisy, like your skin looks so much better. Like the red marks on your face is gone. Like where can I buy whatever it is you're using? Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. Today, we have a special guest who's actually a uh, friend of mine who's also an entrepreneur's organization. Her name is Daisy Jing. She's the CEO of Banish, and I'll let her talk about what that is in a second. So Daisy, how's it going? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of who you are and, and what your business is? I am Daisy. I'm 20 years old, live in LA, grew up in Minnesota. My company is Banish, BanishAcneScars.com or BanishAcne.com. And we are a natural solution for skin problems. So uh, currently, when you think of wanting to get rid of like skin blemishes, you think of ingredients like salicylic acid, benzoyl peroxide, um, more harsh chemicals, we provide a natural solution uh, using organic uh, ingredients to help combat skin blemishes. So I started the company in 2013 out of my kitchen, and now we've scaled to about 15 people. Got it. And how many, uh, in terms of revenues, just give it a range, you don't have to be exact with it, but how are you guys doing in terms of revenues today? Uh, I would say we're in the multiple seven figures. Or not, yeah, yeah. Cool. Would you say that's uh, close to four or five million? Uh, getting there. So I would say between like uh, the threes. Okay. Yeah, got, it. Threes. got it. Got it. Got it. Okay, cool. And then I think one thing I want to talk about too, how did you how did you cut your teeth growing this business? I know you did really well through social media. So what did you do exactly to start to really blow this thing up? Yeah, so I tell everyone that I would never have been able to start this unless I had my YouTube channel. So my YouTube channel is Dazers89. And I started it in 2008, 2009. And I just started it because I had um, acne problems. And I would just be reviewing skincare products. And I was just this normal girl in my dorm room um, reviewing beauty products. And I developed a following. It wasn't huge, but it was enough to get me enough trust um, in terms of launching this product. So actually, the funny story is when I started this business... I had no intention of starting it. It was very accidental. So I did my YouTube channel. I had really bad acne, just wanted to help people with their skin problems and review products for them. And I developed a following in a community. And then one day I just started mixing stuff in my kitchen, used it on myself. And within a few weeks, my audience started noticing like, oh, Daisy, like your skin looks so much better. Like the red marks on your face is gone. Like where can I buy whatever you're, it is you're using? And then my mom started noticing too. And so I just put a few, um, I made a few batches, put it in bottles, shipped it out, uh, USPS. And that's kind of how it started. But I really do believe it's the story. And it's 
uh, my community and my videos that really helped uh, grow this business and like even give the first initial thousand orders. Like without the YouTube, nothing would have happened. Got it. And then what was, I mean, did you have like one video that blew up? Um, there's a video where it's called Growing Up Ugly and that has, I think like 200,000 views. Um, and that was very like, like it was an accident. I just made it one day Friday night and that was when I had the acne problems. But I feel like that video was so vulnerable and I was so like raw about my struggles with my skin and my appearance that I feel like a lot of people related to me and trusted me. And I think in skincare and in cosmetics and in beauty, you just want trust, right? Because there's just so many um, products out there. You want to be able to trust whoever is making or using it. So I feel like that was a huge um, source of credibility for people to trust my product. Got it. And so what do your YouTube numbers look like today in terms of subscribers and number of total views? Yeah, so um, number of total views is at 60 million subscribers at 200,000 ish. Um, honestly, in term in recent, uh, the recent couple of years, um, I've been struggling with my time in terms of producing content, because before it was like I had 4050 hours a week just to make content on YouTube, I didn't have a business to run. And so now it's like I have the business to run. And the YouTube has kind of been like, you know, I don't really have time to like focus um, myself into that. So the views are dying a little bit, <laughs> I will be honest. Um, but we've also worked with a lot of other amazing um, partners and influencers who have helped create content for us. Got it. Okay. So now that you've, you've not been able to create as much content, you're kind of going to other influencers or people that have a following there and then you're kind of, um, you know, leveraging their following. Yeah. Or just having them make content for us, um, finding other, you know, people who have a similar story to me and sharing their advice. Um, on um, on their skincare, skincare tips, or however man- however they manage their acne. I mean, when I'm looking at what role I want to play in the company, I I never wanted to be a YouTube celebrity. That was never my intention. I just wanted to be a trusted source of information to help people with their skin and their confidence. Um, there's, you know, I don't want to be Instagram famous. I don't want to be YouTube famous. I kind of want to stay out of that. So I figure that I want to be, you know, the person running the business, and I will kind of try to tear myself a little bit away from being the face. Of the business got it and so that's what that's what ha- that's what's happening now because the videos used to be just you and now it's other people making it so it feels like it's just uh, it's all about fighting kind of you know acne or having better skin and I, I guess my question would also be when you were first starting out how much you know how much content were you producing you know what is it what did that cadence look like per week oh my gosh I was crazy I like spent 50 60 hours a week and like doing this because I didn't make any money from the YouTube either right so um, I was just hustling making out content I would think about um, you know what new products are launching? Okay, can I go to the drugstore and get that product before anybody else does and like do a review on it? Um, I would make probably videos like every other day. I think that was my, yeah. Got it. Okay. So would you, I mean, what's your secret to getting to, did you say 16 million, one six or six zero? 60. Yeah. Total. Yeah. What is the secret? Is it, is it consistency? Is it just volume? What is it? Um, I really think it's, you have to be crazy persistent, right? It's taken me, was it 2009, like eight years, um, to get to where I am now. And so in the beginning, you're just making video after video after video. And you start off making a video with three views, two of which are yours. And then it goes to 10 and then it goes to a hundred, then it goes to a thousand. Um, I just think you just have to keep doing it and you have to love it so much because yeah, I don't really know what drove me to, <laughs> to work so hard in the beginning. I really think it was because I formed a bond with my audience and we all shared this commonality of like, you know, being a little insecure about the way we looked and our skin. And so that kind of pushed me to keep making content, even though I wasn't making, you know, money from it or, um, 
you know, even though it took a long, a lot of my time. Yeah. We, we talked about in the beginning, I mean, you know, uh, when we did that, uh, I think we did a Facebook Live and it was basically, hey, like, you know, after the first year, I was only getting nine downloads a day on, on this podcast. And then you just kept going with it. Right. And then I think you talked about your response was basically like you keep going. And then once you hit like 10,000 subscribers, it's a slog to get there. But afterwards, it, get, it becomes a lot easier. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it becomes a lot easier. Um, I think collaborations is important. So once you reach a certain amount, people want to collab with you, right? They're not going to collab with someone who's just starting out. So that also helps. Um, and, and you get invited to a lot of like um, events where you can meet other people and get more exposure. And then, you know, it, it's kind of a domino. But I feel like the first they always say the first thousand customers are hard. Uh, I would say maybe the first thousand subscribers, probably now like 10,000 or 100,000 subscribers is pretty hard. Got it. So how long did it take you to get to about 10,000 sub- subscribers and how long did it take you to go from 10,000 to 100,000? 10,000, maybe three years. And then 10,000 to 100,000, maybe uh, two. Wow. Okay. Like, yeah. So it's sped up quite a bit. Got it. That's awesome. Um, so how did you, I mean, you, you spoke about acquiring the first thousand customers. So, you know, you have your subscribers, um, we talked about about YouTube, but how did you go about acquiring your first thousand customers? Was it just because of the community or what was it? Yeah, I, I really believe it was the community. Um, I think all my thousand customers came from the YouTube channel and because they knew me. And uh, yeah, I really didn't think it was going to take off. I remember because um, I was doing all this myself. I remember buying all the bubble mailers from like Office Depot and stuff and like buying all the bubble wrap from Target and like um, they'd be sold out of it. Um, but yeah, it was all through uh, my community. And um, it was funny because they would also like email me and call me and I would pick up the phone and they're like, wait, is this the same girl? <laughs> is this the same Daisy I watch in the YouTube videos? So, yep. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So that was the fir- how I got the first thousand customers. In terms of the next, um, maybe 10,000 customers or whatever, um, it was more through, I had some friends who were also like, you know, influencers as well. So I sent them the products and then they reviewed it. So it's kind of reaching my network to get them to review it. How do you find these people to, to review your stuff? Because you mentioned, I mean, I think we talked about this in the past too. It's like you, you'll find uh, influencers on Instagram, YouTube, things like that. And there's no... There's no marketplace yet to find these influencers. I, I think somebody's going to tackle that. But how do you go about doing that? What's your process? Yeah. So right now we have a pretty like rigorous system of how we do it. And I don't think it's as easy as just like sending people products and expecting them to review it. Um, I think the the biggest thing is you have to look for people who aren't big yet because once they get big, they get very expensive. And we've noticed that um, we, you don't necessarily get an ROI if you work with someone who's very established. So we try to work with people when they're smaller and build a relationship with them. Um, and sometimes they'll, they'll blow up, right? And so that's kind of how we do it. But it's really, you have to like do it day after day after day after day. You have to figure out what your marketing channel is. And then just keep at it day after day after day. Um, And so now we have a team who does that all the time. And I think I'm also very good at spotting influencers. So when I watch a girl on YouTube or I see her on Instagram and I notice she has that like spark that will allow her to grow and like blow up in the next year, I just like do whatever I can to contact her and make sure that um, we're able to work with her. What is that spark? Um, I don't. 
I don't really know, but I've noticed that something I'm pretty good at is I'm, I'm able to notice something and figure out if it'll like grow or not. And so uh, someone who's very relatable, funny, um, you know, I think she has to be a little aspirational too. like she has to be that person that people want to be, but at the same time, relatable, right? So there's that fine balance. Um, and if you just look at the numbers, like, you know, is she growing? Is she very engaged? Um, you know, does she have that cult like following? Does she have that it factor? Got it. Cool. Do you look at any specific uh, numbers that engagement rates? And if so, what do those numbers look like? Uh, no, not necessarily numbers, but I think I look more at engagement rates. Um, and also like a huge part of it is, is she known? Is she or he known for being sponsored? Uh, because, you know, if if she's known as like a Kim Kardashian, right, like just being sponsored all the time, that's probably not going to be beneficial for a small company. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so you got that you have, you know, your community, uh, you have people that you're reaching out to. Is there anything else that you're doing that's really effective in terms of customer acquisition? We have a lot of repeat customers, so that has helped. Um, so we, it's not like a huge struggle and always, you know, like uh, direct response marketing. Um, we've been we've been toying a little bit with Facebook now, um, but I really think it's like figure out what you're good at and just stick with that. Um, at the same time, you know, YouTube is getting expensive. Instagram is getting expensive. So just learning like what the new social media channels are, where the Instagram uh, uh, influencers are moving into and learn that system. So you can do the same with influencer marketing on a different platform. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think that's super important. I actually was on a podcast earlier today. And then uh, this guy was asking me all this stuff. And I'm like, you just need to stick with one thing first, make it work. And then you could expand into other areas, which is basically you started with the community first, and then you started to venture out into these other areas, right? Yeah. And I I tried, you know, I tried, um, I think more paid advertising and all that. And we, you know, we tried like, uh, putting our ads in like, uh, newspapers and stuff. It didn't work out. It didn't work out because I didn't know how to tweak the system and I didn't know like how to work it in that secret spot to make it work. Right. And so I feel like you just have to pick that one thing and really tweak it. So that way you gotta like work the system in that, because, you know, for me, I can't do affiliate. I tried affiliate marketing. It didn't work. <laughs> I lost money on that. So figure out what it is that you're good at stick with it. totally i mean affiliate marketing that that's a completely different beast i mean I, I remember when uh when i first got into it a long time ago for for a company i was at i basically read this tomb it's called affiliate marketing one hour a day so that's the entire like bible about it and it's a it's a full-time job basically so if you can't dedicate time to it it's definitely a, a, a money loser um for sure so um what's one big struggle you faced while growing this business i know you've told me about a lot of different things going on but what's one big thing that kind of sticks out to you yeah so i think one big thing right now is um, I need to learn how to like think bigger and stop thinking about like trying to save every single dollar and trying to do it all because I started this out of my kitchen and I'm very resourceful and I've I was like doing everything from the beginning um learning how to do everything like, like even now I still want to learn you know how do I do this marketing how do I do that right how do I do this and I realized like I can't do it all myself and so the next step is really hiring people who are just way smarter than me so that way they can support me in building this uh, but that is something I personally myself have to learn how to let go and be able to like, you know, hand over right that part of my baby. Right. Totally makes sense. I think oftentimes, I mean, when we start anything, we, we suck at delegating because well, I know you and I were probably control freaks. So um, learning to let go yeah. of that super important. So, I mean, 
what's one big change that you made, uh, let's say, in the last year that's impacted your life dramatically? Could be business, could be personal, and could yeah. be positive or negative. Yeah. So um, this year, I was like, oh, I'm gonna like um, live in different places within LA, so that way I'm not stuck at the office. So um, I was there every day, and everyone would ask me so many questions, and I like from like you know what kind of toilet paper do we buy? And I was just like so annoyed, like, oh, you have to ask me every little thing, right? So I realized I need to give people autonomy and let them kind of, you know, create their own systems and processes that work well for them. And so I actually am not in the office very much. I'm in there maybe once or twice a month. And uh, I I try to also limit the amount of time and interaction I have with my employees. uh, So that way they can have like more autonomy and like take ownership of work they do and stop feeling like they have to ask me for every little thing. So that that has helped. Um, And so what I do is I just have one on ones with everybody or like the managers or my direct reports like once a week or once every other week to make sure everything's going okay. And kind of going it at a position of how can I support you and what you want to do versus like, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do that? So that has been working well. And I always tell them, you know, bring me solutions, right? If you have a problem, bring me the solution and tell me why, you know, you don't think these solutions work, but don't, don't ask me for the solution. Cause I don't really, I don't know your job as well as you do. So, um, that has been, you know, something I've done just to kind of figure out, can I really operate this business from any, anywhere? Um, so that has helped a lot. So you're confident that you can basically work wherever you want now? Yeah, I can work everywhere I want. And then the company, like, you know, if, if I'm out for a day or if I'm out for a week, like it still runs itself. It still runs smoothly. Got it. And so do you have, do you have like a, an operations person or a number two that kind of oversees the, the office operations? I have, I would say maybe like three or four number twos. So I've learned not to give like everything to a number two, because uh, that could be very overwhelming. And then, you know, if they, if they are to leave or go somewhere else, um, it's kind of risky. So you have multiple, I guess, number twos for whatever silo it is that they're working on. Oh, and then the other thing I was going to say about um, your last question, what else have you done? Um, I've also kind of stopped developing like friendships with people I've worked with um, because we are all like all very young women, like similar peers. Um, I was put in a situation where it was just very awkward for me because I knew something about, you know, someone um, and I had to make like a business decision based on that knowledge. And then I just realized, you know what, work is work. And uh, to be respected as a leader, I'm, I'm, I'm your boss, right? I give you the paycheck every two weeks. I'm not your best friend. So that was also something I had to struggle with because before I would hang out with them, we would eat, I would tell them about my life and all that. And then I realized, you know what, that's probably not the best way uh, to be respected for me, me. Totally. Well, I feel like there's 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 more behind that. Did, did people start to kind of disrespect you? Like what happened? No, it's not they disrespect me, but I I personally, I don't feel comfortable like being best friends with people I work with. That's just me. I, you know, I prefer to have my personal life and I prefer to have personal life uh, because I think when time comes to make the hard decisions, you want to base it on, you know, you want to base it on the work, right? You don't want to have like other things interfering with how you base decisions and you want to be fair to everyone. So uh, for me, I, I just want to say work is work and your personal is your personal. That's fair. All right. What's one new tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value to you? So you can say like an Evernote, for example, or a Dropbox. Um, I actually, you know, I use like all the stuff that like, a lot of people use, but I've actually started using 
um, like voice messaging. So I'll do like WhatsApp, the voice messenger, and I'll do that to my admin. Um, and it makes things a lot easier versus like having to respond to emails or like text. Like I, I don't like responding to emails because I feel like that's what I do all day. So it's really great for me to press a button while I'm driving, send him a voice memo, and then he just takes that and puts it on his to-do list. So I try to send voice memos whenever I can. Holy crap. I'm totally going to steal that. You know what's funny? Earlier today, someone was sending me all these texts um, through through voice. I was like, why is this guy sending it through voice? And my mom learned to do that like the other day. I'm like, God, like how did she learn how to do that? So I guess... Um, I guess it's becoming bigger now, but that, that actually me sending it to my, my EA, that actually is a really good tip. So I'm going to steal that. Yeah. And sometimes I, I send um, the Skype, you can send like a two minute video via Skype. And sometimes at the end of the day at like 11 PM, when I think of a new idea, I'll just like record it on video and send it to them via Skype. So that way I don't call them <laughs> late at night. But uh, I find that, you know, voice and like video sometimes is more personable. And uh, so you're sending explain- them a selfie video at 11 when you're about to go to sleep. Yeah. I always have these crazy ideas that come to me and then I'm like oh my gosh I need to record it before I <laughs> before I forget so yeah that's what I'll do yeah so that's the other thing I, I think this is a topic for another time but um, I, I've learned to kind of step away in terms of being the lightning bolt all the time because uh, you know that's basically the guy that comes up with all these ideas all the time and keeps dropping yeah. all these ideas in front of people and people start to like fear you when you come with all these ideas um, so I'm trying to dial that back a little bit but that's a good point um, well what's one I guess we'll make this two things so what's one book that you recommend to everyone it could be business could be any Uh, Well, I would say starting off would be the E-Myth because I remember reading that while I was uh, working out of my kitchen and it was like, you know, learning how to delegate and learning that you cannot be the technician if you want to run this company. So after uh, reading that book, I was making maybe three, three grand a month. So not a lot. Uh, but I went from a and you know, at like $10 an hour. And uh, I realized, wow, like that was such a big help um, to have an assistant and to learn how to manage her and delegate tasks. So without that book, I probably would have tried to do everything on my own. That's a great one starting out. Yep. Yep. Great book. Um, okay. So what's one, uh, well, we can make this multiple things. So what's one blog or podcast that you listen to every day or read? I definitely listen to your podcast. Uh, I listen, yeah, I listen, I definitely listen to Growth Everywhere. So I'm not just saying that because I'm on here. I actually do listen. Yeah, I do listen because you're very like, um, like you get tactical information from entrepreneurs who are like you. So I would say your podcast. Cool. Awesome. Um, all right. Thank you for that. So this has been great. Um, Daisy, what's the best way for people to find you online? Yeah, they can um, uh, email me, um, D-A-I-S-E-R-Z at gmail.com. All right, cool. Well, Daisy, thanks so much for doing this and a lot of good takeaway advice here. Hopefully you guys, all of you that ask me all the time, how do you grow a YouTube channel or how do you work with influencers? This is it. So thanks again, Daisy. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.